everybody. Welcome to SN Off the Shelf. Chloe Riley here, uh, executive editor of Supermarket News. Today I am joined uh, by the great Anne-Marie Roarink, president of uh, 210 Analytics. Anne-Marie, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It was wonderful to see you uh, last week at the Sweets and Snacks Expo. Yeah, so Amory and I got to, we have never met in person uh, because of the nature of virtual work. Um, and so we were actually in person touring the Sweets and Snacks uh, show this past weekend, uh, or this past week, I guess, at uh, McCormick Center in Chicago. And, uh, you know, it was a, a total delight to be around that much sugar at one time, I will say, Amory. What, you know, what, it, what, um... is that your experience as well? <laughs> Yeah, you know, as as we know, I cover many different industries from meat and produce to frozen and bakery. And I have to say the Sweets and Snacks Expo is one of my favorite um, and not just because it's candy and who doesn't love candy, um, but certainly um, just the, the visual as you come up the stairs, the colors, the, you know, just the emotional connections, if you will, that we all have to so many brands and it's just a really uh, wonderful experience to walk around and see some of those big and small snack and, and candy brands. Yeah, I love I love that feeling of seeing what the big the big seeing what the bigger guys are doing. You know, like seeing what's new from Frito Lay or um, you know, yeah, some of those some of those big guys and the innovation that's happening at that level is is really fun to be around. For sure. And then same, yeah. you know, I always um, tell people that don't go to a lot of uh, conferences. I always tell them, you know, go to those 10 by 10s because that's really where, you know, you see some really cool innovation. Those tend to be brand new companies of somebody that's invented something completely different from a texture, a taste, or maybe a, a snack that is popular in a different country, but hasn't quite made it into the U.S. So those are actually some of my favorites to browse as well. Yeah, yeah. I know um, one of my takeaways from this was my first time at the Sweets and Snacks um, show. And I know one of my takeaways was just um, I love your perspective on this because I'm, I'm sure you have gone to more Sweets and Snacks shows than I. Um, but I feel like everything to me was hitting me as very like social media trend, if that makes sense. Like, how can we make it tinier? How can we make it weirder? How can we make it, you know, how can we put a really sour flavor and a really sweet flavor together? Um, but all of it was striking me as very like, how can we create a viral snack or how can we create a viral sweet? Are you seeing that? Is that how it's always been? Or is there kind of some of that social media viralness embedded in that show now? I love that observation. That is so cool. Yeah, this was probably my 10th or 11th, I would say. Um, and I was actually really intrigued with all the innovation that I saw. And I'll explain this in, a, in an odd way. I, I some years, and this is not just for candy and snack, but some years I see innovation that I call the four-year-olds play in soccer innovation. In other words, we've discovered that protein is big or we've discovered that keto diets are big and literally all innovation ends up sitting around those very narrow trends. And so while that's, of course, intriguing and you see some really small innovations becoming big at the same time, I think we often have to keep in mind that a keto diet or a high protein diet that yes, they're popular, but at the end of the day, there are still a lot of people who buy conventional candies and would be intrigued with a new flavor or a new, 
mashup of brands or something like that. And I would say this year, I saw a much better representation of just a whole lot of new that wasn't necessarily sitting in one area. You probably saw a lot of innovation relative to lower sugar, no sugar. Um, that was big last year. That continued to be this big this year. And that was both on the candy and the snack side. But I would also say, uh, just as you pointed out, that there are just some innovations where you're like, what in the world? How do you dream this up? And I do think that is sort of the the impact of, of a TikTok where um, we have to keep in mind food in general is very social and cultural, but especially the candy and snack categories have a lot of permissibility to have some fun with it. And like the number one word that people associate with non-chocolate candy is fun. And so I really think that this industry um, took that fun and ran with it, whether that was packaging, uh, just funny flavor mix-ups, um, just unexpected textures, something starting out sweet, ending up sour. Um, so yeah, I, I was uh, I was positively impressed with all the innovation that I saw in the, at the show. Nice, nice. So it sounds like this year may be more than years past. It's like uh, there's trends popping up across different categories, not just concentrated in one one place or one trend. Exactly. Cool. And you know, that's something oh. that we see a lot in the surveys as well, right? We always as an industry, sit and worry about, well, what is innovation? If it's just a different size packaging, or maybe we make it a different color for, for a different holiday, is it still innovation? Well, in the mind of the shopper, what we see in our surveys is that, yes, that is absolutely innovation. And so if you look, for instance, at brands, you see that the boomer generation is very brand loyal. You know, there were some big, big brands, not just in candy and snack, but really across the entire store that are just still really strong brands with that generation. And therefore, boomers love seeing innovation within the brands that they love, whether that is a new flavor or maybe a new packet size or maybe a plant-based version of their favorite treat, etc. Whereas the younger generations they're much more adventurous. And that's probably part of what we see behind all that innovation as well. You know, they they love innovation coming from different countries, uh, unique and completely unexpected flavors. So there is definitely a lot of, um, you know, different innovations that all drive, drive home beautifully. When you're saying boomers and baby boomers and the... Um... The brands, innovation within the brand. You're making me think of um, who does Snickers. Is that Mar Mars? Am I making yes. that up? Yeah. Mars. Yeah. Mars. Uh, when I was over there talking to them, they said they had brought back that. Um, I think they call it like Rock and Road Snickers. It's like kind of like a Rocky Road version of Snickers. They said they had brought that back because they had gotten such good feedback and that they were getting such positive oh. um, feedback about the flavor. So I wonder if that fits in that. You know popular brand or recognizable brand with just a little tweak and a little bit of innovation. But then yeah. the other flip side of that, I'm thinking of that, I'm thinking of that slime product that you and I were talking about, or what is it was not slime, but uh, tell me about that one and how that went viral. And yeah, I have like it sitting here on my shelf. So it, it's <laughs> called slime liquors, which, you know, this, I think, falls exactly in that product that you were talking about, like what in the world, how you dream this up, but it is just a TikTok trend waiting to happen. So yes, um, I was doing the the research on what we call non-chocolate candy. So anything that is not chocolate, things like gummies and marshmallows and caramels, you name it. 
And I needed an example of something that had gone viral just to show that uh, candy is a social media darling. People love researching it, crafting with it, baking with it. So I was curious whether or not we had a good example of something that gone viral. Well, very quickly, I landed on these slime lickers. And so uh, what happened was somebody posted, I would say maybe a 10 second little video of her sitting in the car. She had bought several of these slime lickers at Five Below and she just licked it and showed that her tongue turned blue or red, whatever color it was. And little by little, that video went viral um, and they, Five Below sold out in absolutely no time. Walmart jumped on it. Everybody wanted it. And it ended up driving an 1100% increase in unit sales because of going viral. So one of my big recommendation in listening to stories like that always is, you know, think about what you would do if and when your product goes viral, because it takes a little bit to gear up for an 1100% increase in unit sales. And we all know these TikTok trends can come and gone very, very quickly. So is it something that you can react to? How would you react to it? How are you dealing with new distribution versus existing clients that might be looking for a product? So it's almost like having that that fire drill plan in place um, in case an emergency happens, but you know, for all the good reasons in this particular case. But uh, yeah, certainly the impact can be tremendous. In case of slime licking emergency. <laughs> there you go. What, what a headline, huh? <laughs> and I think the slime people were able to manage that increase, right? Is that not right, Amory? Correct. Yes. I, I don't know how, but uh, yeah. And they also, I, I would say, did a tremendous job in keeping the trend going. Um, so what started in the dollar chain channel, the, the, the five below channel, then ended up going to super centers and, and supermarkets, but also was kept alive in um, candy stores where more than a year later, you still saw little billboards and posters in the window about we have slime liquors and, you know, just really keeping that trend going of it being a fun novelty item um, that, you know, the kids love. So, you know, there's really a plan in place to take advantage of trends like this. I'm thinking of um, too, I think this was in your presentation, but I also could be making it up. So tell me, but I'm remembering like those, remember the peeps and like putting, you know, people who do crafting with the candy and that being a way to kind of market. So like not just having the peeps, but having the peeps in little graham cracker cars with mushroom wheels or something really cute yeah. and appealing to people that way. Yeah, um, I agree. And I was thinking that too, with even, even the way that uh, remember Giardelli, I think had, um, they weren't just giving us their squares of their chocolate at the show, their new flavors. They were putting their new flavor squares in a s'more, like a gourmet s'more and handing that out. Obviously that was a major hit that people were lined up uh, to get these Giardelli s'mores. So yeah, right. talk to me more about like, why is the packaging of snacks or, you know, the marketing in that way important? You know, I think uh, it all is about getting that one extra trip, whether that is a trip down the aisle during an everyday uh, a setting or one extra trip during one of the seasons. And so what we are seeing is that especially the millennial generation loves to personalize things. So it's not necessarily about just buying the Easter basket or buying a heart-shaped box of chocolate. 
oftentimes they love doing something with it and personalize their gift. In addition to, of course, they grew up with apps like Pinterest, et cetera. So what we're seeing is that oftentimes that idea of baking with candy or crafting or decorating, right? Making these centerpieces with peeps or whatever it is, um, really drives that second trip down the aisle in a season. So the particular video that you're um, describing was something that I, that popped up on a Facebook um, with a friend posting it. And my point there was uh, it required Twinkies, pretzels, Smarties, a Peeps, um, and I forget, I feel like there was another candy, but point being, by the time you have to buy four or five ingredients to make this cute little craft car, you probably spend 10, 15 bucks versus maybe buying just one pack of peeps. And so these are great ways for brands to engage on these popular platforms, not only giving people inspiration, but with a little luck, also people now influencing their friends and family to do this, as well as drive that extra trip and drive a bigger basket than it would have been if we're just buying items to put into the Easter basket, because that's something important to keep in mind. If you look at the love for candy among younger generations, they sit a little bit more on the non-chocolate side, but they also sit a little bit more on the snack side of things. And so just finding different ways, like the gourmet s'mores you described, another great way to say, you know, here's just another way to do something which can drive a whole other usage occasion. Uh, where it, it, it's perhaps, you know, just attractive for, for a whole other reason if people like, say, dark chocolate or, or you know, gourmet chocolate. And, and, this, and this idea of, you know, how can we grow basket size? Obviously, you know, something retailers can be leaning hard into too. I'm seeing, you know, especially around the holidays with these ideas, I could see a display in store with those ingredients surrounding it. I could see them leaning into, you know, retailers and grocers also leaning into, hey, let's do something cute on our social media to promote, you know, to promote this package or to get people, you know, get that basket size up. Yeah, for real. I mean, I remember uh, being in a Winco around Christmas time and Winco has all those bulk bins of candy. And so what they had done was take those traditional boxes to make a gingerbread house that come with like six candies. Uh, but they had put it in their bulk area and pre-sorted all their red and white and green and, you know, candies that you can really use well for gingerbread houses. They were sitting in the bins right beneath those uh, uh, gingerbread house kits. And I, I thought, what a wonderful way to now, instead of just selling a $10, $15 gingerbread house kit, now buy a whole bunch of bulk candy so that you can really make a dream house. So yeah, I think uh, if you have a crafty person in the store, that can actually be a, a wonderful way to give people uh, you know, a fun thing to do, but also drive uh, a basket size. And, and then in the current environment, that is so important. I mean, I've never seen so many months of baskets just going down and down and down in units. So we're still looking across categories. We're still looking good in dollar sales because of inflation, but we continue to see fewer items per trip. And that has everything to do with people just trying to get out of the store, spending about the same. Um, so it really does come down to optimizing when people are in the store or ordering online, of course, as well. That's great. That's a great takeaway. 
Um, Amory, as a final, um, can you give me like, what's your, what's your product takeaway or what's, what's one product that is still lingering with you? I know there's probably many, but is there one that was like haunting your dreams? Cause I know there probably was one multiple for me, but I can think of one myself as well, but I'm curious if one product was kind of sticking with you, uh, long after the, the show, show floor went dark. Ooh, that is a hard question. Um, I would say on the candy side, I saw some really fun innovations uh, relative to sour. Uh, sour is just one of the areas that we really see up gearing up in in sales, and so that whole idea of going ultra and and just crazy colors, changing flavors. I think to your point, that is exactly uh, what you know might create a viral trend or just people walking down the aisle going, oh, wow, that sounds fun. I'm going to try that. Um, on the snack side, I would say I saw a lot of innovations relative uh, to pecans and other nut combinations, uh, which is, I think, in a way, is a nod to the whole protein trend and what have you, healthful snacking. Uh, but there just were some really fun combinations uh, that I hadn't seen before. So yeah, too too many to to even think of of one. How about you? Um, I am going to make a strong plug for the cheese witch that we tried. Yes, which is yeah. literally. <laughs> which is literally salami or some other kind of meat sandwiched between two pieces of cheese called cheese witch. Uh, yeah, that was absolutely delightful and delicious. That and one. clearly something that we probably all, probably all do on a regular basis is make our own cheese witch. But there was something very delightful about someone creating a cheese witch uh, for you, a prepackaged cheese witch. So I know I, I was texting with, I was text, I was texting with the person we were at the show with a few days after that about cheese witch. Um, so yes, it definitely lingered with me. Yeah, you know, that's just one of those innovations where, uh, to your point, we've probably all made that at home, uh, but somebody took it and ran with it. And that's really the type of innovations that you find in those 10 by 10s in the back of the show, or, you know, just really, um, you know, just people taking some innovation and running with it. It's wonderful to see. It really is. Um, Amory, anything else? Any final takeaway from sweets and snacks? Uh, you know, Research Geek um, has to, of course, throw in some numbers here. Um, I mean, the, the economic pressure it remains tremendous. Um, in March, we saw millions and millions coming out of the market with the end of the special allotments in SNAP. We saw uh, credit card debt reach an all-time high. We see continued 8 9% inflation. And while that is moderated from the double digits that it was before, we are now looking at 29 to 30% higher prices than we did prior to the pandemic. So all that to illustrate that the economic pressure is real. And that, as I mentioned, has resulted in just baskets where people manage the total cost with units. And so this is really a big call out to be creative in the store, cross merchandising. People recognize that home cooked meals are healthier oftentimes as well as cost effective. But I think where restaurants often get a plus um, in the mind of the consumer is they believe it's easier and faster and more convenient. So I really think the idea of um, integrating the deli prepared items a little bit more with the grocery trip, if you put in an order and you're picking it up around between 4 and 6 or 7 p.m., 
offer people, hey, did you want to order some uh, rotisserie chicken or what have you? So really becoming aggressive on that time piece as well, I think can just be another uh, leg of the uh, of the mini legged stools to uh, continue to drive sales in months to come. Nice, nice. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, I know we'll be including some of the stats like from your candy presentation at the show in our story, but is there anywhere else that people can will be able to find that report? Sure, absolutely. Yes, candyusa.com. Um, NCA has many resources. And of course, I was one of many presenters there with some fantastic education. So a lot of research uh, to be found there at uh, NCA's website. Again, that's candyusa.com. Great. Wonderful. All right. Well, thanks so much, Emory. It's always a pleasure having you on and I'm, I'm sure we'll have you back on soon. All right. Sounds great.